Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher, pulphockey.com. With me on the line, a guy that uh, we started doing these a while ago, and uh, he's just back from the World Juniors. Want to get his take on that and uh, the big trades that just happened, and uh, we appreciate the, his time. Ray Ferraro, what's going on, Ray? Uh, just, uh, well, I've been back in North America for, I don't know, not even two days, and you know what that's like when you come back from there. You don't yeah. know whether it's... Friday, Thursday, Tuesday, or you yeah. know, last night. Last night I went to bed at eight thirty. Woke up at one forty-five in the morning. I was <laughs> sure it was six a.m. Yeah, <laughs> really. I know it's. And, uh, and it's then tough. you're screwed for the rest of the day, right? Yeah, you're there for three weeks, right? Almost three. Yeah, three three weeks. And yeah. um, um, I don't know if uh, if you've been there in the winter. I have, uh, but it gets yep. pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. I spent some time there last year. First time ever in Finland. So. And it's it you know the people are were great. It was yep. a lot of fun, but you know three weeks anywhere and you're you're kind of looking for home. Oh yeah, were you surprised like I was how good everyone's English was? It's incredible. Yeah, you know what? Um, I would say you know like I've been going to Europe for teams and such for mm-hmm. for twenty years or twenty five years, and it's amazing how much better everybody has gotten. Yeah, or, or better, or how much education there is yep. to want to learn English. Yeah, you're right. And, yep. and you know, so it's not that, oh, they got better because they learned our language. It's just, you know, they've, they've taken it upon themselves to learn it. And yeah. it's, uh, yep. it's pretty cool when you think about it. Yeah. How much uh, booze and cigarettes uh, did you see smoked and, dra- and booze drank there? In they, are, <laughs> they are very good at it. Uh, I know, I, yeah. Like, it's funny, like, you know, like the people I hang out with, of course, like, you know, Nobody, um, you know, I don't know many people that smoke at all, actually, right. anymore. Um, and, like, everybody does, it seems like they're, like, yeah. in clumps of <laughs> groups. Of, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the 70s. Dude, every, and, every Finnish. And can they yeah. drink? Oh, every Finnish motocrosser I know, and I know a bunch, and I know a bunch of mechanics and other people, they just get hammered a lot. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't necessarily... Um, um, ease into it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Real friendly people, though. Holy crap, are they nice people? You know, we, uh, we had an awesome time. We were mm-hmm. really well looked after, and um, um, and then the tournament itself was just you know what, yeah. so good. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's move into that. Um, it's almost like last year Canada was great. They rolled through it. Whenever it's on North American ice, and I want to talk to you about maybe that's the reason that Canada has a bit of an issue. I don't know. But um, whenever whenever it's in Canada ice, I, I'm not as, not as interested. Whenever it's on North American ice, I'm not as interested in the tournament um, because of the dominance of Canada. But when it's on this big rink, Canada has had an issue overseas at these World Juniors now for a while. Um, it, it wasn't it, – so the tournament as a whole was just amazing. I thought the whole thing was great, and partly because of the difficulties of Canada. 
Well, I would say a couple things happened um, over there. Number one, and I think, you know, know, the people maybe that are new to following the tournament, um, you know, it's it's an age-out tournament. It's an Mm -hmm. age-limited tournament, right? Yep. So there was a randomness to it that you just might get a good birth year Mm -hmm. or you might not. Mm -hmm. You know, like the last three years, Finland has won, finished seventh, and won. (laughs) Right, right. Right? I mean, just think of the randomness of that. It doesn't mean that they're a great hockey country, they're a terrible hockey country, they're a great hockey country. Right? Like, just the the way the ball's bounced for them, you know, the way kids are born and the way they develop it, well, this year was great. Um, They actually thought, the Finns, that next year was going to be their big year. Oh, geez. Okay. Because rarely do 17-year-olds make the impact that Finland had. They had three of them. Yep. The the two, of course, that are right near the top of the draft for this year or this um, they're both six foot four, mm-hmm. 17 years old, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Patrick Lyonet and uh, Jesse Puya Yarby, and they are phenomenal players. And if, if you're at the top of the draft and you don't get Austin Matthews, the kid from Arizona, mm-hmm. and you end up with one of these two fins, you're going to be pumped. I... Your team should be pumped. And then the other, the other 17 they had was a defenseman, Ua Levy, mm-hmm. and he is really good, like yeah. really good. So and he's a new age defender. You know, he's not as big. He's a little yeah. smaller. Can really skate. Can terrific passer. Um, so what I've seen in the five years that I've done the tournament is the teams at the bottom. Mm-hmm. They've gotten closer to the teams in the middle, and the teams in the middle have gotten closer to the teams in the top. So where Canada used to be able to steamroll people, mm-hmm. they just can't do it anymore. Yeah, and it's good for the game. It is. It's yeah. really good for the game. Yeah, I thought you were going. I thought you were president or vice president of the uh, Pugliarvi fan club. You love this guy. <laughs> he is a steamroller. I love yeah. watching this kid. Oh, play. He, he can yeah. skate. He's yeah. got a. You know, some guys just have like they have this internal engine, mm-hmm. and it's like they're always, always um, look like they're pushing. I, like I would say, Ovechkin is one of those players. Mm-hmm. There's like this. There's just something about the way that he's wired, right? Right, and that's what. I see in Puya Yarvi. Lane is a little bit more of a, um, uh, you know, a read and react mm-hmm. type of player. Right. Puya Yarvi just is, like I said, he's like a steamroller. And, and can you imagine what that kid's going to look like he's, in three years, right, like when he's 20? Yeah, he's huge right now. Yeah, he's 6'4", he's about 215. Yeah. He's probably going to top out at 230. And, um, and of course, 230 strength at age 22 is a hell of a lot different than at 17. Yeah. Like he's going to be a he's going to be a powerful powerful player. Now I only got the US feed for the US games and I don't know who it sounded like Tony Saragusa, the color guy, honestly. I wasn't sure who he was. Yeah, so, I don't I don't know who does it. They do it off a monitor from New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, um and so I didn't get to hear your take on Austin Matthews so much. Um uh, but was there anything of this tournament that made you think that Matthews isn't going to go number one, even though, like I said, you got really excited for Puyarvi a few times. No, yeah. Um, there's nothing that I saw that would um, replace that would make me replace Austin Matthews as number one. Yeah. He is. He's got good size. He's a, just a terrific skater. The puck, 
the puck looks really comfortable on his stick. Like it's never bouncing around. It's never, mm-hmm. he never seems to be in a panic with it. Um, he's just really smooth and he, he competes hard, really hard. Now my, uh, one of my brother-in-laws is the head coach at, um, at the U S national development team. Right. Um, and he's coach Murray or uh, Matthews for the last two years, mm-hmm. uh, Don Granado. And he said that, um, when Matthews is at practice, his effort is, you know, is exemplary and that he makes the practice go better. Like he's just by the, how hard he works with right. the skill he has, he challenges everybody else. So, and it's, it's a, you know, I mean, if your best players are doing that, right. then you've, you've really got gold. Like Kessel, like Kessel with the Leafs when the best, well, they player. both got feet. <laughs> um, let's talk about Canada a little bit. Um, so, Obviously, discipline got them in that last game. Um, sure. But but overall, it wasn't a good tournament right from the start. Um, and ne- they never seemed to get it in gear. I, the the, the goal, couple questions for you I have. Uh, should they have gone back to Mason McDonald from Blackwood? And what what do you think was the ultimate issue with Canada? Um, as far as the goaltending, uh, going into the tournament, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was – was going to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. And then he got suspended in the Ontario League right. uh, for whacking some guy with a stick. And so he was suspended for the first two games of the tournament. So McDonald plays those two, and then Blackwood took over like he was going to be the number one anyway. Yep. Um, I think he had just an okay tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, in the final game, um, I wouldn't have gone back to McDonald, but I would have pulled Blackwood in the final game. Right. Um, he just... It just wasn't his day. Worked for the um, Finns. Yeah, it worked for the Finns. <laughs> yeah, the Finns did it. Yep. And uh and Blackwood it just it just just wasn't his day. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I think had they gone to McDonald, maybe you slow the momentum down a little bit, maybe you you know, maybe you put in somebody that's having a better day. Right. Right? Because it wasn't working for Blackwood. That was that was pretty clear. As far as their team, um Again, some of it's the randomness of of the birth year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Connor McDavid would have helped, but he <laughs> yeah. wasn't available. Right. You know, they weren't getting him back. Aaron Eckblad might have helped, but he wasn't going to be available either. So you know, you you deal with what the birth year gives you. And for Canada, I don't know that there were one or two players maybe that they could have changed out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they they took the guys they had were available. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't. It wasn't going to be a powerhouse team this year. You could see it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could see the way they constructed the team that they were worried about goal scoring. That they were going to try and um, uh, try and score by committee, mm-hmm. and that the committee just didn't it just didn't happen. There, there, <laughs> you know, it just didn't yeah, happen yeah, yeah, for them. And, yeah. and you know, and the the other thing that happens to teams in these tournaments is that it's only two weeks, right? If you start off bad. And you're looking for your identity, and you're looking for to get comfortable, which I think Canada was. Sometimes you just don't have enough time to get there. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it was one of those things just from the start. Um, do you? I did one of these podcasts with Robin Regeer, and I asked him about the 2006 Turin Olympics, and it's kind of like what happened, you know, the men's team, and you know, he said there was some some problems scoring and everything else, but he really talked about the big ice. He said when you're not used to it. It's and you know Robin wasn't exactly uh, Paul Coffey, but he said yeah. uh, I, I just I, we I think the big ice hurt us. I think we weren't used to it. You know when we won gold before it was on the North American ice, and he said I think every team 
underestimates how tough that is. Now, you played on the big ice, and you've yep. called many games on it. And and there is no doubt Canada's success at the world, the lack of success at World Juniors has come on the big ice. Is there anything to this? Uh, there's some, for sure. Yep. Um, there is an adjustment without question. Um, you know, the, the rink's 15 feet wider, and you've got to account for it. And it doesn't take much. If you get two or three or four feet out of position, man, the puck goes by you and you can't recover. It, it just happens too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that would surprise me a little bit about that with these junior kids is they play so many games internationally from the time they're in the, you know, the U-17, yep. like the under-17, the under-18s. Um, you know, most of them play, have played probably 20 to 30 games on the big ice already. Mm-hmm. And so their transition should be less than, you know, what Robin was talking about. Right, because yep. NHL guys never, ever play on it. Sure. So, but the, the facts are facts. I mean, the, Canada has not done well on, you know, for, certainly for the last decade mm-hmm. on, um, on the big ice. And um, I don't know that they have the answer. That maybe the answer is the next three are in North America. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So that's so the next time they have to worry about it, it'll be 2020 in the Czech Republic. Yeah. Yeah. They just steamroll when it's lately when it's been in in you know. Well, the other thing too, I would say, Steve, last year is Canada's team that won in Toronto and Montreal. They went undefeated. They never trailed for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could have played for two months and they weren't going to lose. Right. Like that team was just better than everybody else. Now, going into this tournament, though, I mean, it's easy to say this now, right? But going into this tournament, um, I read the Hockey News profile and I read something online from, I think, the Globe. They said Canada's going to win. They predicted Canada's going to win. I mean, so in your mind, was this a huge upset that how poor they did, or, or were those articles maybe a little off? Like, was this. Um, it's, it, yeah. was, it wasn't an upset. To okay. Me. All right. Yeah. Um, so. And the only reason, and I'm saying, like, those articles were written prior to the tournament. Right. When I got my first look at everybody, mm-hmm. um, my thought was nobody's better than anybody else. Okay, they're all the same. The five teams at the top: yep. Canada, U.S., Finns, Swedes, mm-hmm. Russia. Mm-hmm. They were they were all pretty similar. I happen to think the Swedes were the best team. Yeah, they, um, I thought they I thought they would. I thought their depth would be too much for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, losing William Nylander really hurt. They lost two defensemen in the tournament as well, mm-hmm. and that probably hurt them a bit. And then I think when they got to the semifinal game against the Finns, they were so worried about shutting down those two kids, uh, Lane and Puya Yarvi, that they were not very aggressive. Right. They didn't, you know, they didn't attack. They defended, and and they came up one goal short. And I think there's something to home home rink advantage and being, you know, pumped up and. Having an advantage a little bit with that. Well, you it know? can, yeah, unless yeah. you get behind. Yeah, 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 true. And then the panic hits. <laughs> right, right. You know, and again, I this is one of my favorite parts of the tournament. Like, the unpredictability of teenagers is well documented <laughs> right. in, in life. And we went through being teenagers, and I'm sure you weren't very predictable. I sure as hell wasn't. Right. And so now you add in, you know, a, a world championship tournament. You're playing with your flag on your chest. Uh, wild swings of emotion, and sometimes crazy things just happen. And so, you know, home ice can be awesome, but if you get behind, like if as good as Canada was last year, had they gotten behind in that final game, mm-hmm. man, they might have lost touch with it. As it was, they got up 5-1 and they had to <laughs> yeah, hold on for your life. Yeah, exactly, it was tight. 
Um, the the uh, we'll talk about the. I want to talk to you about that Nylander hit because you were you were getting some flack on for things you were saying on Twitter about it. But first of all, the Jake for Tannen. Um, obviously, the Canucks loaned him to the team. He didn't have a great tournament. He showed some lack of discipline. But on top of that, that happens to me. To me, that just he didn't score. He didn't dominate really at all. Um, and then that headline in the Vancouver paper. Where do you stand on sort of his his tournament? And was that a little harsh to uh, to put that headline there and talk about? Well, you know, uh, on the tournament, it would be hard for him. For the, it would be hard for Vertanen to have had a tournament that was worse. You know, I mean, like right, right, right. nothing went his nothing went right for him from yeah. the very first game that he played. He got thumped in a game, exhibition game against the Czech Republic. Um, it looked to me that you know when the tournament didn't start off well, that he panicked a little bit. Mm-hmm. That he tried to do way too much by himself, and the harder he tried, the worse it got. And that you know maybe that you know the thought that Vertanen was going to be this power forward that was going to score a lot. Yeah. Maybe that's a little misguided. Maybe Vertanen's not as much a scorer as people think. And, and that's, that was my view before the tournament. Mm -hmm. And that's my view now is that maybe he's not a guy that's going to score quite as much as, as people might've hoped when they drafted him. And, and um, it's just the, you know, the way he plays, what he sees on the ice. Mm -hmm. That's just my feeling. Now, maybe I'll be wrong, but my guess is he's a 15 goal guy. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But but not, if you're yeah. expecting 30, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, he's, he's that, that's my view. Yeah, not as a far as the headline on the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know I, I don't think a lot of people understand how that stuff gets done. Um, so the guy that wrote the article, he doesn't write the headlines. Right. The guy that writes the headlines, his job is to get attention. Yeah, buy this paper. Right. He, so he did his job. Is it a harsh? <laughs> yeah. You betcha. Was it a little unfair? Probably. Yeah. yeah but the headline so. writer, he did his job because everybody was talking about it. True. And I, I don't, I, I don't want, and I'm not in favor of a, a media that you know gets to the highest cliffs and yells the loudest to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some cases, that's what the media has become in cer- certain circles. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. It uh, it just sucks for that kid. I mean, he did. Oh, it really know, does. Yeah. You know what? Because he's no worse a prospect than he was at the start of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And had he had a great pro- tournament, he wouldn't have been any better a prospect. You you just know like when he gets back with the Canucks, the first thing he does, if he does something, gets in a fight, takes a late penalty, everyone, sure. all the fans are going to go, here we go again. And it's not, you yeah. know, yeah. I think they would have sent him back to junior, mm-hmm. but the tournament went so poorly for him. They're going to keep him, and and they want they want to work with him, and they they want to you know yeah. try and help him get past this. Man, he's 19 years old. We've all screwed yeah. up. We've yeah, like, all you know, and lots of us screwed up when you know three million people weren't watching the game. Yeah, exactly right. So he'll he'll get past this, but he'll get past it when he realizes that. You know, a lot of the problems were not somebody else's; they were his. Mm-hmm. You know, he he didn't play very well. Um, he took the penalties. He, you know, he said after the game, "I think the refs were terrible." Well, you can think that if you'd like, but they refed the rest of the guys. Yeah, both There's sides. Only one right. player that took Canada off a three power plays. Yeah, right. He had a terrible day, mm-hmm. and so he's just got to mature enough or be mature enough to say that day sucked. And I'm never going to forget it because I'm never going to let it happen again. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the William Nylander hit, uh, obviously me being a Maple Leaf fan, I was looking f- forward to having him. Great. And by the way, Caspi Kapanen. Uh, that's that's. Yep. Thank you, Phil. Um, but uh, uh, I was looking forward to seeing Nylander because he's tearing up the AHL, and that hit knocked him out. Some people were, were pretty harsh on you on Twitter. Um, you, you know, what's your take on it? What What do you think? Well, I, quite frankly, I don't really care if no. people are <laughs> no. are harsh on me, and it's not my rule. The game is not the same as it was five or ten or fifteen or twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago. That would have been a great hit. On on December twenty seventh of two thousand and fifteen, it's a bad hit. Right. That that's just the way the rules are. That's the way the game has evolved. If if people say, "Oh, you're taking hitting out of the game," guess what? Look at the litigation that is around the game. Look at the number of players that or kids that are not playing the game. The game is going to change. It's changing now, and it's going to change. Mm-hmm. And that the the Swiss kid. He had a couple of different ways he could have played that. Nylander had, you know, Nylander's got to be more aware. Certainly, yep. he has to be more aware in the middle of the ice. That's that's on him. But there was a different way to make the hit, and so, you know, people are were sending me this these stop action photos. <laughs> stop action photos, built. man. The, yeah. the play couldn't have been Steve. It couldn't have been more in front of me. Right. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know that anybody in the rink would have had a much better view than Gord Miller or I. Yeah. Because we were up higher a little bit than the guys on the ice. Mm-hmm. You could see it coming. I think if you listen to the audio, even before he makes contact, I, I say, look out. Like, I can see it coming. Right. Yep. Yep. The, the contact was not to Nylander's shoulder. It was to his head. Mm-hmm. It was from the... It was from the blind side in international hockey, you do not have a chance. If you make a hit like that, you're getting suspended. Yep. And so the people that, that were just ripping at me after a while, you go, you know what? There's nothing more I can say. I'm telling you what I saw. <laughs> right. And I, of the people ripping to me, I was the only guy in the rink. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They're sitting on their couch, and you can stop action the photo all you want. Yeah, you can pause it and everything else, exactly. But it yeah. never, it does not give you the true view. And the guys at the league that do the discipline, they stop action everything. They look at it in slow motion. They look at it in, in real time. You have to put the whole picture together. Because depending on where you stop it, even if you're one frame off, it can make it look like it was a body hit first and then a head. Yeah. It wasn't. It was head first. It, it was a bit predatory, no doubt. The Swiss guy, he had a chance. For sure. Yeah, and you know yeah. what, Steve? Five years ago, it's a great hit. Yeah, it's Scott Ten Stevens. Ten years ago, right. Scott Stevens made a career of it. <laughs> right, right. Or 20 yeah. years ago, whatever, yeah. however, long, however old we all are. Right, yeah. A while but, ago, right. Yeah, but in oh. 2015 yeah. and now 2016, that hit will get you suspended every time. How about him not William Nylander not coming back in the tournament? That just reeked of Lou Lamorello. <laughs> just <laughs> well, you know, it's funny on the flight back um, uh, from Helsinki mm-hmm. or from Copenhagen to Toronto. Um, William was on the plane. He was sitting right across from me, so I talked to him for a few minutes, and uh, he hadn't seen the Toronto doctors. Oh yeah, okay. So they were at, just, that, at yeah. that time. Yeah. So I'm sure he's seen them today or yesterday, but he hadn't seen the doctors. Um, I think it's the right move to hold them out of the tournament. I, I, I agree with you. I'm almost certain that yeah, um, because the, the Leafs had 
yeah. had a say in that. And they should. He's their yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah, because the Swedish people are like, yeah, he's good. He's feeling great. He's coming back. He's going to have a press conference. He's feeling great. Next game, and it just never happened. <laughs> that press conference was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, it's just a bad idea. I mean, what, what would William Nylander possibly have said? Right, right. Yeah, good point. Um, hey, let's. Uh, we don't have you for a long time, Ray Ferrar on the Paul Pocky podcast. So I got to get got to get you some more questions. Uh, got some trades. Couldn't believe it. Good God, it's awesome. Um, Ryan Johansson from uh, Columbus for Seth Jones from uh, the Predators. Yep. A one for one trade. What do you think? What's your take on it? Obviously, uh, you know what? It's it could be one of those things where just both teams benefit from it. I mean, they both yeah, needed for it. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, you know, this trade wouldn't have been possible last uh, last year at, at the end of the year because Johansson had just a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. Um, things went wonky on him this year. He had a, a bit of a health scare a little bit in the summer, apparently, and mm-hmm. uh, so he shut down his training for a while. But he's, you know, he says he's healthy, but he wasn't in great shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a contributing factor. And then when the the team got off to an 07 and one start, and they fired the coach. Uh, Todd Richards, uh, Johansson was unfortunately part of the problem, not the answer. Yeah. You know, he didn't get off to a very good start. And so John Tortorella comes in, and, you know, this is a player that has had some contractual problems with Columbus. You know, so there's a lot of dirty road behind him, and their defense is terrible. Yep. So you get, then you look at the other side. Nashville has got an incredible defense. Shea Weber, Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis. If there was one position they could trade from strengths and not weaken their team in a massive way, it was defense. And they need a center. They're, David Poyle, the general manager, said, look, I've been looking for 18 years for a number one center. We think we got him. So that's why the deal was made there. Now, for Columbus, they created a huge hole at center yep. to improve their defense. Mm-hmm. But they have a couple of defensemen that were at the World Junior Tournament, Gabriel Carlson from Sweden and Zach Wierenski, who played for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add them to Ryan Murray, who's been a, the number two pick from a few years ago, but has been hurt quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Then you add Seth Jones. All of a sudden you go, man, that defense is pretty good. Right. You know, it might be pretty good. The potential for it to be a mobile, good-sized defense is, is sitting there. So that still leaves a hole at center. The silver lining to this is Columbus is terrible, yeah. and they should finish in the bottom of the draft or the bottom of the league, which would get them into the top of the draft. And then you've got those three forwards that I was talking about. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, earlier, right? Puya, Yarvi, Lyonne, and um, and Matthews. Plus, you've got Matthew Kachuk, uh, Keith Keith's son. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Alexander Nylander, who's William's brother. Um, those are those are five forwards that'll probably go in the top seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can, you're, they can cherry pick a forward at this point, right? the The scary thing about the Johansson trade is the Yarmo Kekalainen, Yarn- the the Columbus general manager, and John Davidson. I don't know if you noticed this. You're just back from Finland, but they were on every single radio show that they could possibly do the last couple of days talking about this trade, and they couldn't have yelled it out anymore that John Tortorella was not the reason that Johansson got traded, which makes me think he was the reason, because they were very insistent on every interview they did. Well, yeah. they would have to be because everybody would think the same thing. Yeah. You know, John just got here. He was there to rattle some cages. Um, you know, he rattled the biggest cage first. Right. Yeah, and, and then he ends up getting traded. Yeah. Um, if they traded him because of John, 
that's extremely short-sighted. Right? Yeah. Because John's, John's on a two-year contract. Right. Um, if John were there for five years, I'd say, oh, well, you know, that yeah. you're going to let him set the culture, and that's the way it's going to be. Yep. But there was, I mean, that, to me, without, without being in every meeting or seeing every practice, there's a, as I said, there's a lot of muddy road behind Ryan Johansson yep. and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. I, I think this is a longer story than just the last couple of weeks or last month or so that mm-hmm. John has been the head coach. Um, and eventually they said, look, we get, this is not going to get solved and we have a chance to add a player like Seth Jones and we're going to go ahead and do it. It's a rare, it's rare that the commodities line up like that. Yeah. Like uh, I love torts in the league. He's awesome for fans. Right. But you look at, uh, he wanted to, he, he wanted Le Cavalier out of Tampa and it just didn't happen because of Feaster sitting him down and telling him to no. know. Then he goes to Vancouver and really not starting Lou in that, that new year. Well, that was the end of Luongo in Vancouver. Right. So he chases Lou off. He wanted to chase Vinny off badly. And now I see that he's in Columbus, and, and now the the star guy there, you know. So that's that's for me on the outside again. A guy on, from the couch, I'm just like, oh man, torts, you know. But um, there is, um, if we want to put, if we want to look at the players' history, then you got to look at the coaches' history too. Mm-hmm. And you can't deny either. The history is the history. History becomes fact. And Luongo has said that had he started the Heritage Classic game. The you know the mm-hmm. game against Ottawa yeah. that was in the football stadium. Right. Had he started that, he wouldn't have asked, he wouldn't have pursued the trade. But he didn't start it, and two days later he yeah you know he he asked for a trade. And and Vancouver's probably still looking for a big goalie that could start sixty five games. Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> what has he won nine in a row as of this conversation? Yeah, so I love Torts because he's entertainment, but I'm just like, oh man, you know. Um, uh, speaking of Lecavier, him and Luke Shen. Um, Shipped off uh, to another trade between the Flyers and the, and the Kings, by the way, and uh, the Kings are uh, the Flyers are eating half of the salary. What's your take on this move? Is there anything left in Vinny? He said he's going to retire at the end of the year, so the cap problems aren't really there for um, the Kings. And um, I don't know anything about the guy that went back to Philly. Okay, well, I'll tell, uh, Jordan Wheels uh, is a little guy, about five foot nine or so, very dynamic offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, has had a couple of really good years in the American League, um, just couldn't get into the L.A. lineup. Right. And they got a third rounder as well. So he'll get a chance in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, he's uh, 23 years old, so it's, it's probably time. He's either, you know, he deserves the chance. Um, as far as Vinny, I don't, I don't know that he's got much left. Uh, I watched most of the game yesterday, I guess. Yep. First two periods anyway against Toronto. And the, the one concern for Vinny has been there for a few years, and it's, you know, it's there is his foot speed. He doesn't, he doesn't move really quickly anymore. So um, for LA, that's a, that's an expensive collection of depth yep. in Luke Shen and LeCavalier, even though the flyers are paying half the money, it's still a, it's still an expensive, yeah. an expensive depth acquisition. Um, they, you know, Luke Shen is there to replace Matt Green, who's out for the year. The, you know, a right-handed shot, big, physical. You know, not gonna, not gonna do too much damage with the puck. Um, you know, like he's not gonna make any great plays or anything. Neither would Matt. But you know, just a, yeah. a penalty killer and your sixth guy. What's, ha- um, what's happened to him? What's happened to Luke Shen? Well, Luke Shen was probably one of those players that bridged the gap between what the game used to be like and yeah, what yeah. the game is. Right. 
And, you know, he was always physical and kind of a mauler and strong. And he's not a puck guy. He's not, he was never going to be a guy to put up a lot of points. Well, the game changed. Mm -hmm. And so you get stuck kind of halfway between where you are and where you should be. And sometimes you just can't get there. He's Ken Danico of 20. 16? Um, no, Dano oh. was meaner. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Dano was a mean dude, man. Yeah, he was. He really was. And Luke's not that mean, but Luke's tough. Yeah. Um, but the game just doesn't require that set of skills as much anymore. Uh, Mike Richards uh, going to the Caps. Caps take a prorated contract, one million. So it's a really low risk gamble. The only thing I wonder though is I, have, I haven't heard this addressed, Ray. Maybe you can help me out. He has a court date still for you know bringing a substance across a border that he got arrested for in the summer. Can't he still be suspended by the NHL? Like, how is he getting? How is he no, getting? No, my okay. my understanding is that's all been taken so, care of. So he's not getting suspended at all for this. No, the okay. league is the league had to okay the deal. Okay, all right. Um, and so um, for just the very reason that you talked about, um, and so he's clear to resume his okay. career. Yep. Um, you know, Washington signs him as a depth guy, and um, I, you know, I don't, I think anything to expect anything more than that would be, um, you know, would be trying to remember the younger Mike Richards, right? Yep. Um, you know, and the same thing as LeCavalier, I'd say, is that, um, you know, the the whole the whole question is whether he can get around the ice quick enough to. You know, to um, yeah. to help out. So you're not you're not real optimistic about Vinny's Vinny's uh, fountain of youth. Neither Mike Richards. You're not um, obviously anything. No, but happen, I think but, they'll both yeah. be inspired, and I think they'll work really hard, and they yep. think they'll both try. Mm-hmm. You know, they're motivated, like realizing yeah. it's their last kick at the can. Right. Um, but you can't make yourself go faster than you can go, <laughs> and I and I think that's going to be a problem for both of them. Yep. Yeah, no, interesting. All right, Ray Ferraro here. We'll let you go right away. Last question for you on the Pulp Show. Uh, you said Mike Babcock would make a difference. It feels weird for me as a Leaf fan. They are only uh, six points out of dead last in the league, and so they're worse off than they were a year ago. But yet, in my mind, they seem good. Like, Babcock, is, he's taking these guys, and he's really – they're working hard. I don't know. But then you look at the standings, and they're six points out of the being the worst team in the league. Yeah, but they're also – Probably half a dozen points of from getting to the wild card. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, there's five out, five or six out. You're right. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but there's, you know, I mean, this has been a terrific coaching job. It uh, is right ba- okay. by Babcock. Yeah, um, I think the Leafs did a tremendous job of lowering expectations mm-hmm. in the off season, so it would be easy to step over the bar that they set. But they've done a lot of good things. They really have. I've been really impressed. I'm with you. They they look like they're a better team. Mm-hmm. Now, I do believe they're going to go through a stretch here, um, not as bad early in the year when they didn't score, but they've been really healthy, and teams don't get through the year really healthy. Right. You know, you, you get banged up yep. at some point. Um, they are going to get to the deadline, and I think they're going to probably move some of their older guys. You know, when you, when you look at some, the older guys that they brought in, um, you know, Parentos had a very good year, very good year. Uh, Matt Hunwick has totally outkicked expectations. Um, uh, Grabner started terribly slow yep. and then has really been good the last few weeks. And all of those guys are probably going to be gone. Yeah. And that's part of their plan, part of their rebuild, and um, uh, part of you know the acquisition of younger assets was to get older assets that they could turn into draft picks. Mm-hmm. 
um, I've been I've been really impressed with them. I really have. Yeah, he's also he's a bit harsh, which is fine. But they ask him some he's questions. A bit harsh? Oh. If him. you think he's a bit harsh in public, what do you think he's like behind the door? I can't imagine. Yeah, like he, they're asking him about Rhymer. He's just like, I don't care. He can't play right now. I don't want to talk about him. Yeah, there's no point. You know, I mean, Mike has always been. Oh, yeah. Um, he has always been of that mindset is that if the guy can't play, there's no point in me talking about him. We'll talk about him when he can come back. He's just shutting these guys down post game. It's just, it's. <laughs> Really yeah, nice. That's, to see. that's his way. Yeah, that's, that's the way he's always been. There's no. It's been no change. Mm-hmm. I mean, just we're just you see it more in Toronto than you did in Detroit, but it's always been the same. Yeah. No, it's uh, he's worth every penny right now, from what I can see as a fan. I'm I'm stoked on him, and you know, I I never really thought coaching made all that much difference in a in a game of hockey that's not really structured. You know, like it's not an NFL, it's not NBA, mm-hmm. but. Uh, whatever he's doing, motivating them, the, well, the systems he has. Yeah. Well, Steve, don't forget they were as loose a team as possible and so this was the prime situation for a guy like mike to come into to make an immediate difference Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's got an eight-year contract means that if if today is friday and he says it's saturday then it's saturday yeah you know and and that's that's the only way you know you hear all this time oh we got to change the culture well you change the culture by giving somebody just short of absolute power. Right. And that's what Lou Lamarillo is there for, is to balance out so nobody has absolute power. Lou has power. Mike has power. And together they've changed things in rather short order. Now we'll see what the next step is. Yeah, can't wait. He's been d- done good. Uh, Ray, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I know you you probably miss doing this show a ton. I know you think about it a lot. So it'll be okay, though. I'll be fine. I'll move on. I know you're, you know. You, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for doing this. A great job in the World Juniors. It's been, it's been, uh, it was a great tournament to to watch, and, and you guys, you and Gordon Miller, did a great job. Thanks for taking the time for us, man. You betcha. We'll uh, we'll do this again in a bit. Thanks, Ray.